Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 425. Follow your passion. Make time for your passion. I think the trap that we all fall into is making time for the things that we most enjoy. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Kevin Cornish. Kevin, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I am buckled in and ready to go, Mark. All right. Great to have you here. Kevin Cornish is the executive director of the Arizona Concours d'Elegance, a premier event held at the Arizona Biltmore in Scottsdale, Arizona. This prestigious event kicks off a week of auctions and events that are held every year at the end of January. Kevin has been restoring and collecting automobiles for the past 15 years, and he has a particular affinity for pre-war classics and automobiles that were, as he says, ahead of their time in their time. That'll be interesting to learn more about that. The mission of the Arizona Concours is simple. Produce an event that would become recognized worldwide as a serious Concours, and to raise significant monies for children's charity. And I'm proud to say that Cars yeah is a sponsor of this fantastic event. And you can learn more about it at ArizonaConcord.com. So, Kevin, I told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and a little bit more as well about this great event? Sure. Happy to do so, Mark. Well, I live here in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. I've been here for approximately 12 years. Uh, a native of the great state of Nebraska, and right. have moved around uh, the country considerably, uh, chasing a career in the healthcare business. Been in healthcare literally since I was about 13 years old when I was a volunteer orderly, and have been in healthcare ever since. Wow. And then similarly so, I've been into cars and machines pretty much since I was six or seven years old, taking my dad's lawnmowers apart when he wasn't looking, <laughs> um, and have... Uh, been very interested in automobiles in one way, shape, or form uh, pretty much my whole life. When somebody decides to get involved in a concour and direct a concour as you do, most of us out there go, oh, that seems simple. Bring your car, park it here. No worries. But this is a major event. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a major undertaking. I um, really started seriously collecting cars probably you know, 15 years ago or so. 
uh, have been to you know car shows in Concord, more particularly here the uh, about that same period of time. And whenever I would go to Pebble or Amelia or Hershey, I would always return to Phoenix. Very enthusiastic that Phoenix, because of a lot of the unique elements that exist here automotively, um, really should have a Concorde. And quite frankly, I was kind of embarrassed that Phoenix didn't have a Concorde. <laughs> so I started to do you know, some research and some history seeking um, about Phoenix's history in that regard, which there was a little bit. And then I spent a considerable amount of time interviewing executive directors of both existing Concorde and Concorde that had failed. Interviewed probably, I don't know, 12 or 15 of such of those kind of events and really learned what makes Concorde succeed or not succeed. I've been to many, many Concorde events and I've been to your event and it is so fantastic. And of course, the wintertime is a great time to escape the cold. I'm up here in the Pacific Northwest where it seems to rain every day (laughs) this time of year. And folks on the East Coast, but it is a perfect venue, and the Biltmore is such a beautiful place. We had many things going for us. We we knew that capitalizing on the automotive enthusiasm that happens here during what's called you know Automotive Week here in Phoenix, where you have literally hundreds of thousands of people that come to town for the six or seven uh, auctions that take place, was something that we really had going for us. January was the only month on the calendar that did not have a a legitimate concourse somewhere else in the United States. And a lot of the uh, significant car collectors came here during that period of time. And we have some world-class car collections and just car restoration people here in this town. So all of those elements kind of put together, we thought, were some of the necessary ingredients that could make a concourse successful. Ah, fantastic. Well, we're going to learn more about this event and a lot more about you as we move through some of my questions I have for you today. But first, I'd like to start with a success quote. It's some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success, and it's, it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Kevin, take the wheel. Well, I'm a fan of probably a few quotes, but probably the one that was uh, most impactful in my life was something my parents said to me fairly consistently was, don't ever take no for an answer. <laughs> <laughs> and when, with respect to the Concord particularly, there was a lot of people who, who I would bring this idea up to over the years, and the, the refrain was fairly consistent. Great idea, but I don't want to have anything to do with it. Mm. And eventually I you know, badgered enough of my friends long enough that they finally <laughs> acquiesced. But whether it's my career in healthcare or the cars that I've collected or the Concours, I get very um, interested and focused on, on something that I think is important, and I try my best to find a way to get that done. Well, you were fortunate to have those parents that embedded that thought into your head. It's so important for Gosh, pretty much everybody in every aspect of their life. But setting up a Concord that involves so many volunteers and so many people, I would imagine, yeah, you got a lot of doors shut in your face. But we're all thrilled that you persevered, you listened to your folks, and did not take no for an answer. And and this event started in what year? Uh, So the first event was in January of 2014. So this January 2016 will be our third year. Right. Uh, myself and, and my two partners, who were the two that really began this odyssey with me, we really didn't make the decision to do so until about June of 2013. Oh, goodness. So we had about six months to put the first uh, Concord together. And then uh, as a result, of once we made that decision in June, there was a group of approximately 18 people here in the Valley who came together who are the core operating committee of the Concord. And, and honestly, they're one of the greatest group of people I've ever worked with. 
Uh, you know, I've had many people who run Concord events around the country, but Warner with Amelia Island and mm -hmm. Tom McDowell with Concarso and several other people. And everyone says the same thing. You know, this is a car event, but it really is about the people because that's how it gets done. There's no doubt about it. Everybody shares a passion for the automobile, sort of first and foremost. But also, I think they all share a, a passion with me and a level of interest with me that this is an important, needed event here in Phoenix and that uh, the good that we do, not only for the hobby, but for the Make-A-Wish Foundation, which is our, our selected charity, is worth the time and the effort that is required. Absolutely. It's fantastic. Would you share a story with us that instigated your passion for cars? You talked about taking your dad's lawnmower apart. Hopefully you made a go-kart out of that. But uh, <laughs> is there a pivotal moment in your life when you really knew that you were a car guy? Well, my uh, my dad and I would always play this game when I was young. You know, back in the 60s and 70s, we drove everywhere, even though my father worked for United Airlines, and we were fortunate enough to be able to fly more than, than most people back in those days. But we drove a great deal, and uh, my dad and I always played a game of looking at the oncoming automobile and being able, who could tell first what the car was based on the radiator and the front grille. Cool. And so my dad really started that passion in me. He liked to turn wrenches and, and would encourage me to do so with him. I had a, a neighbor that was probably 10 or 12 years older than I was, who I remember when he drove home with a 69 Firebird convertible that I about lost my mind when I saw that car. <laughs> and then just getting Hot Rod magazine and Road and Track magazine and a lot of magazines that you know young teenage boys of that time used to get and mm. uh, just started to fill my head with a lot of um, dreams about what one could do with the possibility of the automobile. I love it. I love it. So, Kevin, what I'd love to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and really crawl under the hood and ask you to share a, a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. Or it could have something to do with the, how you put a Concorde together and all the challenges involved with that. But more importantly, how did you overcome that situation and what did it teach you? Um, sure. Well, I probably have an examples both automotively as well as the Concorde. Probably a common thread to both of those scenarios is, um, you know, just because I or just because you think things are a certain way or just because you think this is how things are doesn't necessarily mean that that's how the rest of the world mm -hmm. thinks that that's how things are. From a car perspective, I had an experience uh, related to a Rolls-Royce P2 that I was uh you know, head over heels with that turned out to be a horrifically complicated restoration mm -hmm. project and one that got way, way over my head in and not knowing my own limitations. And again, sort of assuming that what I thought was important and uh, relevant about that automobile, it became very clear very quickly that the rest of the world didn't share my <laughs> perspective <laughs> oh. on, on that car. Yeah. From a Concorde standpoint, similarly, Concorde present many, many challenges most of the most of which are people management related, and uh, just because I or a group of people that I work with think that the concourse is important and think that it's worthy of a certain level of attention or participation by the automotive community doesn't mean that the automotive community shares that same level of interest or enthusiasm. Mm. So convincing people, both from the industry side of the world, uh, trying to get the requisite attention for the Concours, as well as significant automotive collectors and judges, all the, all the people and the elements that are necessary for a Concours to be successful, people don't necessarily just accept that at face value, mm. that, that it mm -hmm. requires proof of concept. 
I wouldn't say it was a failure, but it was definitely a challenge that I underestimated. I hear this from so many people, and I had Michael Dervier from the La Jolla Concord on the show, and he talked to similar things because he was dealing with the city of La Jolla and the confines of an open public space and, and how to make this all work uh, with the permitting and people in the city going, we don't really care about a car show. This is just going <laughs> to disrupt our folks that like to sit by the beach and enjoy the yeah. ocean. So, you know, again, we're back to the people. So are there some things or uh, uh, maybe some useful tools you can share with our listeners that helped you uh, either convince or help people understand why this event was important? Yeah, I think, and going back to something I said earlier, in all the interviews that I did of other people who have run Concord, one of the common themes was exactly just what you mentioned, is how important the venue is and the, and the support by the venue of the event. Because, you know, rightly or wrongly, Concord becomes somewhat synonymously associated with their location, yep. whether it's La Jolla or Boca, Pebble, Amelia. And having a a real legitimate sort of partnership relationship with your venue, be that the city or whoever, is literally probably the single greatest key to success. And in the beginning, it was literally me and two other guys who had no company, we had no money, all we had was a, was an idea and a vision. And for the Biltmore and for Make-A-Wish and for all of our sponsors that first year to be willing to, to literally uh, risk their reputations and risk some of their capital in this event they only did it because they believed in us and they mm. believed in the sincerity that was being expressed because there literally was no proof <laughs> in the <Yeah>. concept <laughs> of how it would work right or or no proof of us so i think you know perseverance was clearly important and and a key but i think it was the sincerity of the people who were involved but also we had a very detailed plan and even though it hadn't been done before it was relatively easy for us to describe how the event would work and why we thought it would be successful fantastic let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum i'd love for you to share one of those career aha moments or it could be a concord aha moment in this case uh, it's i like to say it's a time when the headlights come on and illuminate your way for this new idea this new direction you had and tell us the steps you took to turn that aha moment into a success well, I can probably do one both career and Concord. There was a, a point in time relatively early in my healthcare career when I was working in hospitals in Nebraska that it occurred to me that there was a better way to take care of, I was a respiratory therapist, and a better way to take care of patients that were on ventilators. To make a very long story short, there was an aha moment that kind of came to me through the discussion with some executives in the hospital that I had known for years. And uh, that pointed me on a new path to to basically create some healthcare settings that really hadn't existed before that. And that sort of took me on a completely different career path that I had never even intended and honestly at that point in time couldn't even have envisioned. Wow. From the Concord standpoint, there was a moment when uh, th there's a, a person, a uh, husband and wife here in town who have been a, a real mentor to me. It's uh, Barry and Sharon Briskman. They're very well known in the classic car circles. Uh, Barry has been a judge at Pebble Beach for many, many years. And Sharon had looked at me one day and she said, you know, she had said to me many times before that Phoenix really needed a Concours. And she said, if anybody can do it, Kevin, she said, you can. <laughs> nice. And she really encouraged me and, and kind of gave me that initial push off the ledge. Now, I'm guessing your husband pushed her into that because he didn't want to have to take on this enormous 
task. No, I'm not. Dimi- like, I'm not diminishing that nice talk. Yeah. I was just thinking, yeah. hey, if you kind of push, you know, Kevin this way, I don't have to do this. <laughs> I can just go judge, put on my straw hat. There could definitely be something to that. <laughs> How about proudest moments? Is there a moment with the Concord that it just really made you proud, where you kind of stepped back and went, "Wow, we did it." Yeah, there was. At the end of, at the very end of the day on the first year, the winner of our Concord that year was a gentleman by the name of Don Nichols. Don is a wonderful, wonderful man from uh, Lompoc, California, and he had a stunningly beautiful Hispano Suiza mm. that was that was our best of show winner. Yeah. So as the awards being presented to Don, and we had approximately 12 or 15 kids from the Make-A-Wish Foundation that were present. And after Don's presented the award, Don opens up the doors to his cars, to the car, and tells all the Make-A-Wish kids, he literally says, pile on in, kids. (laughs) Nice. And all the kids jumped in the car, and Don could not have been happier. And, um, And that moment really brought full circle for me the whole purpose of what we were doing. Wow. What a wonderful thing for him to do. You know, and people out there that understand Concord cars, I thought of a bunch of kids piling in. It kind of sends a shiver, a shiver up your spine, like, oh, don't step on the running board. But the fact that he went, okay, I'm done with this. Now we're going to have some fun. This is what it's really about, helping these Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Awesome. I love it. Let's have a little bit of fun here. What was your first really special car? Maybe you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. Sure. Let's see. It would have been, it was a 1965 GTO that I literally found in a farmer's barn uh, outside of Omaha, Nebraska. (laughs) Cool. Spent a lot of time tearing that car apart and putting it back together. So that was kind of my first, you know, really fun, memorable car. My first collector car was a 1957 Lincoln Premier convertible. Wow. Stunningly beautiful car. Really, uh, taught me a lot on on the trials and tribulations of owning older automobiles mm-hmm. uh, but that that car really started me on on my way to to collecting more now you do a lot of the work yourself is that right I do a fair amount of my own mechanical work yeah mm-hmm. I uh, I don't really do paint or body work uh, or you know uh, upholstery work mm-hmm. that's really left to the artists um, but most mechanical work I, I can do myself. Is there a vehicle that you've owned and sold, that old seller's remorse, that you really wish you had back in the garage? And, you know, I'm going to preface this because car prices in many arenas has have just gone through the roof. So let's take yeah. value out and just leave passion and emotion into the picture here. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm really good at acquiring and I'm really bad at selling. Oh, uh, good for you. <laughs> pretty much everything I sell, I lament selling. Probably a funny story is one car that I've always thought was probably one of the most beautiful cars General Motors ever made was the 67 Cadillac Eldorado. Mm. So I was very fortunate enough to buy one for a very inexpensive price, and it had 18,000 miles on it. It was a beautiful, beautiful car. And drove it for a relatively short period of time after buying it, and uh, I had it at a local car show, and a man from Germany came up who was visiting and he said, I want to buy your car. I said, oh, it's not for sale. He says, no, really, I really want to buy your car. And after me saying it wasn't for sale three or four times, he <laughs> finally you know, made me an offer that I just said, well, even though it wasn't a great deal of money for that car, it was a great deal of money. Oh, yeah. So literally after about two weeks after that car was gone, I lamented its departure and got on the hunt for another one mm. and uh, eventually found another one that, that I have today. Oh, cool. <laughs> nice. Well, you know. 
there is a price for everything. And uh, that has happened to me as well. And then afterwards, I kind of went, oh, geez. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. well, I'm glad you got another car. Let's talk a little bit more about the Arizona Concord Elegance. I'd love for you to tell our listeners out there some more about some of the events that take place within your event. We talked a little bit about who you're helping Make-A-Wish Foundation and the children, but what are some of the special events that are occurring with this year's Arizona Concord? Sure. Uh, so the Concord uh, itself will be on Sunday, January 24th. One of the challenges that, that our Concord has is that the 25th, Monday the 25th, is really the start of what's called Auto Week here in Phoenix. But the auctions really don't get heated up until, you know, beginning on Wednesday or Thursday of the week. So we had a challenge in getting, you know, the real significant car collector people to come to the Valley three or four or five days earlier than they normally would. So we have a three-day schedule. It's a Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Saturday is a series of different lectures that take place that are uh, available to the public. It's a separate ticket that is able to be purchased. And one of those lectures is a similar lecture year after year. It's called the Phoenix Automotive Press Association. It is an annual meeting that's been going on here for probably 15 years at least. Uh, it's coordinated by an automotive journalist by the name of Larry Edsel. And he brings together a group of people from uh, the auction houses, some of the museum collections, some of the significant restoration facilities. And then he invites usually somewhere between 100 to 150 automotive journalists uh, to come and listen. Um, and it's one of the sort of kickoff events uh, to sort of get people focused and thinking and talking about uh, the collector car hobby. Mm -hmm. So uh, that'll be from 10 to 11.30. And then from noon to 1.30, we're very fortunate this year that we are uh, working with the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and the Indianapolis Motor Museum from uh, Indianapolis to help them be the kickoff to their an annual celebration tour that they are doing in 2016 to celebrate the 100th running of the Indianapolis 500. Oh, wow. So in addition to having uh, several cars from the Indianapolis 500 Museum that will be present on Sunday, on Saturday we're having a panel of previous Indianapolis 500 winners. Oh, cool. Uh, Lynn St. James, who's a local Indianapolis driver and resident, Mm -hmm. is working with us on that. I think at this point in time, those folks that we have confirmed are uh, Ari Leyendike, I think Tom Sneva, Dario Franchitti. I know she's talking to Tom Sneva, Eddie Cheever, Mr. Rutherford, and then the Unsers. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be some complement of Indianapolis 500 winners who will be present for that second lecture series that will take place from noon to 1.30. Very cool. And then from 2 to 3.30, uh, we have Andrea Zagato who is the grandson of the founder of the Zagato Coach Building Company. Zagato, Bodies by Zagato, is one of our featured marks this year. So Andrea and his wife are coming over from Italy to, um, to talk along with Jay Mays. So Andrea and Jay are going to be talking about the confluence of design and engineering uh, from the perspective of the Zagato Coach Building Company. And that lecture will be from... And then we'll have the Concord on Sunday. And then Monday is a driving tour that is open to the entrance uh, and their automobiles. Last year was the first year we tried the driving tour. It's just a test. It was a pretty successful test. So this year we're expanding it a little bit. It's about a 75-mile drive, uh, and it makes uh, several stops, uh, about three stops actually throughout the day. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's really a way to get uh, to give people an opportunity to get their automobiles out on some beautiful Arizona roads and to your point you made earlier, there are usually some place where it's cold and snowy at that <laughs> point in time. Yeah, yeah. Wow. 
Well, this all sounds fantastic. I love the concept of three-day event. Both uh, Ari and Lynn have been guests here on Cars, yeah? So you've got some great speakers there, plus all the other drivers. So, wow, sounds fantastic. I really appreciate you sharing all that with us. Now, here's a very introspective question for you, Kevin. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Mm, that's, a real, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> hmm, probably, one. I'll sort of say it this way. People ask me what is my favorite automobile, and it would probably have to be a Horsch 853A Cabriolet. I've only seen a few of them, but there was an Erdman and Rossi-bodied Horsch that won Best of Show at Pebble Beach, I think, in 2010, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Probably one of the most stunningly beautiful automobiles I've ever seen in my life. So if I had to pick one, that's probably what I'd pick. (laughs) Now, that's pretty fancy. Very cool. I remember that car. Oh, just gorgeous. Great choice. Great choice. So, Kevin, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsor. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. All right, Kevin, we're back and we're entering the last lap, or in your case, the last drive over the podium for Concord Events. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Yep, ready to go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Buy what you like. Mm, Yes, (laughs) very important. That way, if you get stuck with it, it won't matter. You'll still have some fun. That's exactly right. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? Always find a way. If it's something that you believe in, just find a way to get it done. There you go. I hear your parents' voice in the background. Never never take no for an answer. <laughs> I love it. Is there a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners, other, of course, than the ArizonaConcord.com website? I'm a big proponent of car clubs. Any car that I own, no matter what car it is, I am a member of the car club that goes with it. And mm-hmm. I think that is a very important part of, of our participation in this hobby. Oh, absolutely. Plus, you can learn so many things by just getting absolutely. on a forum and Hey, I'm having a problem with this, and somebody will pipe in, and boom, it's fixed. So yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. Would you share a book that you believe our listeners would really enjoy reading that you've enjoyed? Um, I think, at least automotively, uh, The Art of the Automobile, uh, I think is the correct title, is a book that I've I've always liked. And then the there was an exhibit not too many years ago called The Curves of Steel. Uh, there's a book associated with The Curves of Steel that I think uh, has also been something that I thought was very appropriate and elegant and really displaying the art of the automobile, which is an important factor to me. Oh, absolutely. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these great resources at carsyad.com slash Kevin Cornish. And Kevin's last name is spelled C-O-R-N-I-S-H. All right, Kevin, we are up to the checkered flag. And this last question can be a real doozy, or in your case, a real horse. (laughs) And maybe you've already answered this, but we'll see what you have to say. If you could have only one collector car in your garage, but don't worry about the price because today I'm going to write the check, what would that one vehicle be? And more importantly, why? 
That's a really good question. <laughs> it would probably um, price was no object. I would probably pick a Bugatti Royale. Ooh, wow! Because uh, again, I similar to the Porsche, I think the Bugatti Royale is is shares a place in royalty within the automotive community. It's one of those types of cars that truly was um, something spectacular and will live on so for generations to come. Have you had the pleasure of uh, spending much time around one of those vehicles? I've seen one, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unfortunately, I was not at Pebble when they had all of them gathered. That's one thing that I lament. Um, (laughs) But I have seen one. Yeah, I was there, and just what struck me about those cars and of course, this makes sense to anybody who knows them. Is just the enormity. Exactly, they're a locomotive on wheels. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah, it's just you stand back and go, somebody drove this thing. <laughs> I mean, and not only that, but I I think that when you look at cars of that era, which I am probably most particularly fond of, everything was built by hand. There mm. were no everything was by craftsmen and artisans, and the the art of the engineering that is involved, not just the design, but the engineering as well, to me, is breathtaking. Oh, it is. And uh, have you visited the uh, Bugatti Museum in France? I have not, but that is on my to-do list. You've got to go if you're a Bugatti fan. It's just absolutely – it just blows you away. You stand there and go, how do they get all these cars? Of course, the Shump brothers had something to do with that. But, um, but yeah, Tori Bugatti, the design, everything from the uh, the body, like you say, to the upholstery, to the engines, which are works exactly. of art as well. So ah, I love it. You're the first Bugatti Royale here on Cars, yeah. So <laughs> congratulations for that. That's going to cost me a pretty penny. Holy cow. <laughs> I better call up my family and tell them uh, so much for uh, birthdays this year. Yeah, Kevin exactly. wants a Royale. So, Well, Kevin, you've taken me on an awesome ride today, and I've really enjoyed talking to you and learning more about the Arizona Concord Elegance. Could you share a parting piece of guidance for our listeners before you drive off into the sunset in your Bugatti Royale? <laughs> I would just say follow your passions. And make time for your passion. I think the trap that we all fall into is making times time for things that don't necessarily uh, the things that we most uh, we most enjoy. Absolutely, and I would encourage everybody to make some time to go to Arizona and enjoy this event. It's well worth your time. You'll uh, enjoy the break. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about the Arizona Concord Elegans? Uh, probably our website, ArizonaConcord.com. Also, there's quite a number of videos on YouTube as well. Awesome. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to everything Kevin's been so kind to share with us today at carsyad.com. Just put Kevin in the search bar and his show notes page will pop right up with links to the event. Uh, and again, don't forget to go to the ArizonaConcord.com website and uh, take a look at what's happened there in the past, what's going to happen in the future, and I hope to see you all there. Kevin, thanks for being so generous today with your time and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Until we talk again, I'll see you at the Arizona Concord de Elegance. Thank you very much for your time, Mark. I greatly appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!